This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. Every year, mid-November, it happens. I'm walking in a mall or a store, and I hear it. My first Christmas song of the season. And with that begins my holiday anxiety, you know, to go along with the rest of the anxieties for the year for me. It's been that way for as long as I can remember. Each year I do try hard to find some magic in this most magical time of year. It can be tough, but it happens. But 2020 promises something different for all of us. It is going to put our anxiety, our stress, our entire mental health to the test. No Christmas parties, families and friends separated. So we're going to search together, starting today with this podcast and throughout the month of December. I want to give you a toolkit to work at your depression, your stress, your anxiety this Christmas season. Join me as we put some Mary back into Christmas right now on The Happy Molecule. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Oh, the Grinch, the very personification of anxiety and stress at Christmas time. But apologies to the memories of Boris Karloff and Dr. Seuss. Perhaps it wasn't because his shoes were too tight or his heart too small. Maybe the Grinch had not been diagnosed. Maybe the Grinch was suffering from depression. He had been ostracized, we learned as a child. He lived alone, very alone. All things that contribute to mental health issues. By the way, thanks to uh, Warner Brothers for the Grinch. For those who are new to this podcast, welcome. The Happy Molecule refers to the hormone dopamine that our body uses to give us pleasure and hope. I'm your host, Kevin Frankish. I live with depression and anxiety. It's my hope that these episodes bring you hope and ease any anxiety or depression you may be living with, especially at this time of year, right? Well, my depression has always meant that Christmas has been an anxious time, but we do know that this year it's going to be different. The keystone of Christmas is togetherness. And in a lot of cases, that's just not going to happen. I was trying to remember when it may have been this bad for so many people. And you know what? I was thinking it must have been going back to World War II or for our American cousins, the the Vietnam War, in which so many families had been separated and were apart from each other. 
I don't think the world has undergone such a, a stressful Christmas season since that time. So let's work with this. You have to be your own mental health advocate. I say that over and over and over. So we're going to explore ways to ease the stress, ease the anxiety and the depression. You know what? Let's do it for the Grinch. Let's begin with the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association, Margaret Eaton. The holiday season places so much pressure on people. And this year it's going to be so strange for, for many of us to, to be in our tiny bubbles um, and trying to follow uh, all of the rules when, um, when we really want to be with our family and friends. I have always been a little more stressed out about the holiday season. Christmas is not my favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. And so the time when you're in a mall or in a store and you hear that Christmas song or you see Christmas decorations or anything like that, it, it does tend to bring my anxiety level up. And this season, it's going to be twice as bad for many, many people because of isolation. And because the one thing that we, a lot of us look forward to is getting together, won't be able to happen this year. No, it's going to be a very different year. In fact, my mother has been saying it's sort of like when she grew up on the farm in Saskatchewan, where people didn't go and visit other people's homes at Christmas. It was too far away. So it was just her family. And so we've been calling this our Saskatchewan Christmas, where (laughs) instead of all getting together, we're going to be in our little isolated pods. I love that you have uh, found something from your uh, people out in Kelowna, British Columbia. They have come up with a, a list of holiday tips to try and keep the stress to a minimum. And we know that stress feeds into depression and ultimately that is really what we are trying to fight in fact before we get to that let's let's talk about this stress depression anxiety same tree different branches could you help me understand what leads to what right um stress anxiety and depression i guess stress and anxiety are sort of similar um Anxiety sounds a bit more though like a condition we create inside ourselves. So we have external stressors that create an internal condition of anxiety. And that can often lead to depression, especially if um, anxiety is around feelings of perfectionism. And we often feel like that over the holidays. We want to make it perfect. And that can create outsized expectations on us. Um, but I, I mean, personally, what I find with depression is it's when I start to have these very um, uh, dismissive or, or mean voices in my head. Um, well, you're not going to make the deadline or it's not going to be perfect or, or you screwed up. And that what, that's what can really send me into a tailspin when I start to really beat up on myself. Um, so I find that that is the, the sensation that stress can then lead to. Uh, depression when I'm I'm placing so much pressure on myself that um, the negative voices overwhelm the positive. Christmas has become a time too where we put so much pressure on ourselves, uh, whether it's true or whether it's an imagined. The pressure we put on ourselves to make sure everybody is happy, to make sure you've done the right shopping, to make sure you get something the person likes, all the yeah. while not sure if you can afford it. Uh, the it, it, it's just. It's huge, the amount of stress and anxiety we put on ourselves. It is. And yet, you know, I feel a little bit that because of COVID-19, maybe we could 
have lowered expectations. You know, we're trying to celebrate in a pandemic. Um, in Toronto, we can't go shopping at our favorite stores anymore. So is there a way that we can make Christmas smaller um, and take off some of that pressure, recognizing that the most important thing is that we stay healthy right now, um, not that we try to aspire to the Christmas of 2019 that we're just not going to experience in 2020. So, so can we take this opportunity then to set realistic expectations for what we can do for ourselves and our family at this time? Let's get to that list. Now, this yeah. comes to us uh, from CMHA in uh, Kelowna, British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk some holiday tips now. What, what are these tips for? Uh, well, they're tips to provide holiday peace of mind. Okay. So if you're finding that the holidays are one of the things that stress you out, then here's some things to think about. Uh, so we've got a few items here. One okay. is plan ahead. So think about the keep it simple strategy. Um, and this goes to this whole point of, uh, can we do things a little differently this year and change expectations? So plan for it. Um, try to keep your menu something you could make in advance. Uh, decorate, cook, shop, whatever you need to do, do that far enough in advance so that you can actually relax and enjoy uh, whatever you have planned for your holiday time together. You know, yeah, and, and we go overboard on dinner. Um, turkeys are the worst thing to cook because there's no such thing as a set time for how long it takes that turkey to, to be ready. Here's right. my here's my little tip that goes along with that then. There are, and, and I know people are going to go poo-poo or, ugh, but you know what I get? I get one of those, I get one of those all-in-one turkeys that's already stuffed. Uh, and and I know I go as far as just to get the one that has no bones and you just you just cut it. Okay, yes, it is not mom's or grandma's turkey, but you know what? I throw it in the oven from frozen. It tells me how long to leave it in there. I take it at exactly the time and it's ready, done, zero zilch. Okay, it won't be as good, but you know what? I I think the 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 lessening of the stress and the anxiety is worth it. Exactly. Keep it simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, make it predictable. Do as much as you can in advance. I think that's a great idea, Kevin. Okay. Let's get to the next uh, point on yeah. this list. Um, as much as possible, organize and delegate. So rather than feeling the pressure of, you know, it's all on you, uh, get your whole family to join in. Um, if it's gift wrapping, decorating, baking, um, are there other things that you can delegate with this idea that it doesn't have to be perfect? Um, it could just be fun. So uh, don't feel like it's all on you to make the holiday uh, the special occasion. Share it out. That's a really good idea. And, and the sign of a good boss who delegates, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Um, yeah. So one of the things we recommend is beware of overindulgence. Uh, so having too many glasses of eggnog or holiday spirits will give you a mood lift, but uh, then you can find that you drop lower than you were before. Um, sweets can make you feel lethargic. So try to remember to eat well, keep exercising and getting a good night's sleep to help maintain your holiday peace of mind and to avoid those winter blues, that, that onset yeah. of possible depression. And we're not moving around as much as we did. So right. this season, this year, overindulging could really take maybe even, you know, a 30%, a 40% more, more of a toll on our bodies. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely. You know, our bodies are already stressed. Um, chiropractors and physiotherapists are saying that they're already seeing the impact of people not having an ergonomic workspace at home. Um, so we're hurting a little bit right now. So um, it's it's good to keep that in mind and and treat yourself well, which maybe doesn't mean extra quantities of eggnog. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, what's the next one? Stay within your budget. Uh, yeah. So finance can be a huge source of stress, especially at the holidays, where there's all of this pressure for us to spend more. So, you know, what I wonder about is, could we um, maybe not buy gifts for everyone, but make a donation? You know, this is a time when there are so many people who need help and support. You know, maybe it's a different kind of gift giving this year. Maybe it isn't. Um, buying a lot of things to unwrap online, but giving people things that they could eat or drink, you know, things that, that you could consume, the consumable gift. Um, calling someone, having a physically distanced visit, or writing a card to tell someone how important they are to you can be sometimes more meaningful than a gift. We quite often spend money we don't have uh, because we feel that that pressure, right? Right. Uh, and especially now with a lot more people who are not working or not working full time. Right. And exactly. it's tough enough to, to make ends meet. And then they see all the commercials. They see all the mm-hmm. ads. Uh, they hear about all their friends and that who have, are buying this and, and buying that. And they, they just feel compelled to. Right. And we shouldn't, you know, to get back to my mom's Saskatchewan Christmas, she was telling me that uh, there was one year, it's during the Depression, where she and her brother whittled a wooden spoon as a gift for their mother. <laughs> you know, in simpler times, that would have been a lovely gift, right? You know, so I, I would love that. I would keep that I in know. my kitchen, right? <laughs> I, I love that. Like, how wonderful. So, you know, what are the ways that we can be creative without spending a lot of money? It's really not about the money, as the Grinch who stole Christmas has told us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I must stop Christmas from coming. All right. <laughs> uh, have you got another one? Yeah. Um, remember what the holiday season is about for you. So it's just a reminder that it's really about sharing loving time spent with family and loved ones. So Um, Think about creative ways that you can still celebrate those traditions, even if you can't be all together. Um, And remember not to take things too seriously, fun or silly things to do. Games or movies can be fun, playing with pets. Um, We're looking at doing a Zoom family call uh, where we'll have a scavenger hunt and maybe a bingo and we'll show... We'll show uh, photos. So, you know, what are other ways that you can get together, even if you are at a distance, um, that keep in that uh, that keep that social connection in mind as as the most important part of the holiday. You could even watch a movie together. You could watch Christmas Vacation yeah. together over Zoom. Exactly over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, and yeah, I, I think oh. especially if you're you're going to be watching something off your your computer with Zoom. You can share the screen, so you can actually watch it on the screen with with everyone. Or you can watch my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. <laughs> that is one of our favorites. It goes into <laughs> rotation every year. Die Hard, love that. Yeah, Alan Rickman, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, as if Christmas isn't bad enough, we have New Year's to contend with. Then we have the time after New Year's, which is traditionally the 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 Number one time of the year that people fall into depression the easiest and the most. And I'm I'm shuddering to think what this January and February are going to be like for us. So maybe to be 
uh, pre-armed, uh, to, to pre-arm ourselves might help out a little bit here. How can we prepare ourselves for the, the January blahs? Yeah, I think you're quite right. You know, once we get past the holiday season and um, we have low light levels, it's going to get colder in some parts of the country, it's going to get snowier. Um, then we have to contend with that and also the fact that this pandemic is still going on and on and we don't really know what the lockdown conditions will be like by January. Um, and for some people, they're also having to deal with seasonal affective disorder, which, which affects um, about 2 to 3% of Canadians who get serious symptoms of depression. Um, but even just winter blues, so that feeling of, of sadness because it's winter, affects about 15% of Canadians who experience the milder symptoms of sadness that are associated with that dark, cold weather. So um, because of our increased stress and anxiety, we could find that more people are experiencing both winter blues and uh, sad. And so there, there are a few things that you can do to mitigate the effects. Uh, light is really important for all of us. So getting more light continuously. So spending time outdoors during the day, um, keeping curtains open um, and getting a light. Um, you know, there are those... Uh, light therapy mm. lights that you can acquire that um, some people really swear by as actually lifting their mood during that time. Oh, definitely, most definitely, and 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 having that um, those little things sometimes will be enough for us to say, okay, I'm taking a step, I'm doing something, so I feel like I'm taking control somewhat. Yeah, and it is a lot about feeling that you have control because that is one of the things that, that can send us spiraling into low mood is feeling like everything is out of our control. When it when it really isn't, there are things that we can do to mitigate that um, that low feeling. And a, a big part of that is that, that social connection, maintaining contact with other people. So uh, I think that's one of the things that, that is so difficult right now when we think about our connections that we had where you could meet outside for a walk or, or sit outside at a cafe. And so trying to find those other ways to be with each other, which maybe mean bundling up more, you know, wearing appropriate clothing and getting outside. We've always, you know, we, we, we know we have to be concerned about our own mental health. Uh, you know, we have to watch for our signs of depression. But at the same time, we also should be watching out for our loved ones and, and other ones, mm -hmm. um, especially if they're alone, uh, especially seniors. Uh, mm -hmm. what do we need to be watching for, uh, with, with other people? Right. Um, well, I think if you've had some regular contact with someone and then suddenly you're not hearing from them in the same kind of regular way that you might have, um, that is a time to check up on them, to find out, um, how they're doing. And when you ask them how they are, um, try not to just ask, oh, how are you? In that way that often solicits the response, oh, I'm fine. Uh, because that is typically how, how we respond as Canadians. Um, but take that moment to ask, how are you really? And see if you can probe a bit. Um, are you eating? Uh, how's your sleep? Uh, how are you feeling? You know, this pandemic has me stressed out. Are you feeling stressed? Um, to just find out if that person um, needs more support and needs, needs more help from you or others to, to battle um, uh, the feelings of, of stress and loneliness that perhaps we are all feeling. You know, I, I am thinking about seniors now that I've mentioned that, because uh, for many seniors, Christmas time has always been 
at least that one time of year where they can get together. Maybe they don't see their loved ones as much as they want to during the year, but at least at Christmas time, they were able to get together and they were able to reminisce over past Christmases. And for yeah. some seniors, that won't happen this year. No, it won't. And now we're seeing the the incidence of COVID-19 rising in long-term care homes, which means they're going to be further shut down and have even less um, access to the support network. Um, I have friends who've talked about um, their their parents with Alzheimer's and how they've seen their their mental condition decline. They are not the same people, you know, a few months later when they were able to act and visit them, they, they saw how much um, of an impact just isolation and, and not being in touch with your loved ones has on people. So it's going to be a tough winter, but maybe especially for, uh, for the elderly. Um, from our own research too, we know that um, people who, who um, are parents, uh, parents of children under 18 have been particularly stressed um, with having to manage working at home in some cases or managing children who aren't in school and trying to work. Um, it's been tough. Um, so yeah, there are many people that are, that are going to be experiencing uh, that negative mood as a result of the pandemic. And it really helps if we all just check in on, on those loved ones and, and ask how they're doing. CMHA.ca. Let's talk about that. Uh, there are so many resources. I'm blown away by the amount of resources that are on that website. So if you ever have any questions about your own mental health, maybe even if, do I do I have signs of depression? Uh, or is it getting worse? Or what can I do about it? It's a great place to start. It is. Thanks so much for the plug, Kevin. Um, so we're in 330 regions across the country. So if you go to cmha.ca, you'll find uh, a link to your local CMHA, and you'll also see all the all of the resources that are available in your area. Uh, but our own national website has lots of information about different conditions that you might experience and some really useful uh, tips and tricks for, for managing at this time. And if you do need help, there, there are links there for crisis counseling. Yes. Um, so we have the, the suicide crisis line that's at the very top of our website, uh, a 10 digit number there. If you need to call, uh, please feel free to call. And, you know, Kevin and I were talking about this earlier. You know, some people might feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't call or should I call? You know, if and don't call, um, there will be a warm uh, welcome on the other end of the phone. Uh, to talk you through whatever you're experiencing. So uh, please don't don't hesitate to reach out. And then your local CMHA can help if you just, if you want to talk about distress or services that might be available in your region um, and, and other, uh, other ways that you can support yourself and, and others during this time. Let's get now to the Me3. This is the the me three. This is a chance for my guests to bring you three easy, easy tips on how you can be your own mental health advocate, how you can get some sort of control, because we know that if you can get some sort of control, then you're that much closer to living with depression rather than suffering from depression. So 
the, your first, uh, you, you gave me your list. Your first one is movement and getting out. Tell me about that. Yeah, movement and, and getting outside. There's such a physical connection. You know, you really can't separate the mind and the body. And so in these times when we're locked down, um, when many of us are working from home or when uh, the weather is difficult, so you feel like it might be hard to get outside, it's really important to move. Um, so if that means putting on a tune on your laptop to start your day, which is often something that I do, and dancing, um, that's one way. Um, I'm also trying to make sure I get outside and walk and I have uh, you know, a warm coat to do that in. So just um, being in your body, I think it's really important. And it creates that endorphin rush. Uh, it gets your heart going. Uh, all of those things can be really good for mood. And right now we're doing a lot of sitting in front of the TV or sitting in front of the computer or sitting in front of our phones. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they say like, sitting is the new smoking. Uh, <laughs> we, we just got to get up and move. All right. Your next uh, Me 3 is connection. And we've, already, we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but, but making connections. Tell me more yeah. about that and the importance of that. Yeah. You know, I think some of us have sort of taken for granted how much connection we would make in a day. Um, even just talking to the grocery store clerk or, you know, your friends at work, um, yeah, meeting people for dinner, you know, we, when we can't do a lot of those things, it means we have to take extra effort to make sure that we're, we're connecting with people because humans are social creatures. Um, and uh, having that connection with other people is definitely thing, a thing that will boost your mood. So take that time to have a quick phone call, uh, a Zoom call, um, you know, it's been fun to use Zoom, I found, with my own family and friends. In some ways, I feel like I'm seeing people more um, because I might have only been able to meet in person, you know, a couple of times a year, but I have one friend who I get to see once a month now uh, because we're doing it on Zoom. So take advantage of the technology. In some ways, it has, it has real advantages, um, and it, it could actually increase the frequency with which you see the people. Yeah, and don't be afraid of the technology either. I mean, there's Zoom, yeah. there's there's Google Hangouts, there's FaceTime. I mean, yeah. it goes on and on and on. There is Skype. Uh, so don't be afraid of the technology. And, and, yeah. and if you don't know how to use it, don't just leave it there. Get someone to show you. Get someone to help. And, you know, you can even get in touch with the Zoom people. Like They all have helplines. So oh, if you don't know how to true. use it, if you don't know how to use it, get them to show you how to use it. Because once you get using it, it is very easy. Yeah. And you can use it all the time. Exactly. And it's free. Um, yeah. So, yeah, find a young person. That's yeah. always what, what I find helpful. All right. <laughs> uh, and then finally, you're saying check in with yourself. Check in with your own emotions. Yeah. Um, I find for myself, uh, oftentimes when I get really busy, um, I'm not checking in to find out how am I feeling. And um, it's just really worthwhile to just stop during the day, you know, I, I like doing this at the beginning of the day and the end of the day and just asking myself, how are you doing? You know, how did it go today? Um, anything bothering you? What's concerning you? Um, because sometimes it, it, become very, it becomes easy to compartmentalize our feelings. Yeah. And so just having that check-in with yourself to say, how am I doing? Um, might lead to some further action that you need to take or some further thinking that you need to do or further feeling uh, that you need to do. Uh, especially I find if I'm having trouble sleeping, 
it's very good if I can just check in with myself and just um, have a little conversation before I go to bed to say, what worked today? What was good? What are you grateful for? Uh, what are you worried about tomorrow? Oh, that. Okay. And then you can kind of put it aside so that you can get some sleep and get on with your, your day. So I think checking in is really important. And you might say, oh, Margaret, come on, that's easy. Uh, you know, so what? What's it going to do? But you know what? I, th- I think about it. We don't really check in with ourselves. We may think we do, but we don't. We don't stop and say, what kind of day did I have? We, we may think we know right. what kind of day we had. But at the end of the day, asking ourselves that question might be pretty enlightening. And you might be surprised by the answer. Yeah. I mean, I've had that where I... I I'll have a feeling, you know, I'll think, gosh, I feel tired or I feel really stressed, but I won't be able to connect it back to why necessarily. Um, and so being able to just sort of think about it and go, oh, yeah, I'm worried about X. Uh, that's why I'm feeling a bit disturbed. That that uh, process of identification is really powerful um, for just being able to manage the onslaught of things in our lives and the emotions that go with that. It just makes it more conscious. And if it's conscious, then you can manage it. Yeah, and and you know too, uh, what I find sometimes when when I have that nagging feeling, you know that that feeling of anxiety, and you're not exactly yeah. sure, you, it's just the back. Yeah. If you sometimes trace it back to find out why it's there, you 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 suddenly realize, wait a minute, that that's not a big deal, <laughs> because because we've allowed it to fester. You know, we've allowed some thought at the beginning of the day to just move around in there, ruminate and go, oh, and, and, and at the end, yeah. it's, it's it's 10 times worse. The, the, the bark is literally worse than its bite. <laughs> so identifying it sometimes will will make it better. That's so true, Kevin. That was a great way of putting it. Exactly. It can loom larger than what it really is when you actually pull it out and take a look at it. Now, the CMHA also is is um, you know a government law like you, you lobby the government for yeah. for for different things and and you're after different things. Can we be doing something better as a community to identify mental health to treat it with the seriousness it needs to be treated with? Because we're heading into a time where where unless we start doing a better job now, we we could be in real trouble. What what do we need to do better? Yeah, well, you know, this is the the conversation we've been having with members of parliament of all stripes. And there's real consensus at the federal level amongst members of parliament and senators that mental health is a, a huge issue. And it's do you partly, know do you know that yeah. that the United Kingdom has a minister of loneliness? Oh my god, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's so lovely. In, in fact, yeah. I'm going to be having them on this program. Uh, and not not too long, but they have actually gone as far as to realize how important it is they actually have a minister of loneliness. That's beautiful. And it makes so much sense. Um, and, you know, the United Kingdom is so far ahead of us in terms of how they provide support for, for mental health. So in the UK, uh, there are community organizations that you can drop by and and they will give you for free um, a therapy and uh, training in cognitive behavioral therapy and it's just built into the system you know we don't uh, there's some provinces that are offering that but it's sketchy across the country but they see that as the first line of defense in mental health is the community approach and it keeps people from having to go into a hospital or crisis uh, so it's actually cost effective. So I think Canada needs to think more deeply about uh, the fact that we're not offering 
a universal mental health care in the same way that we offer universal physical health care. Isn't that one true? And the same, I've right? never thought about that. We have universal health care. Yeah. And yet we've separated mental health as though it, it it's not health care. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Yes, there are some programs available, but still we are, you know, we, we still believe that it costs you $200 a week for every week for 10 years to go for treatment. And if you don't have the $200, well, you can use up what you can get from your, your group insurance. And then that's that. Yeah, I yeah. never really, I never really thought about how we separate mental health and physical health. We do to our and, detriment, right? We need a kind of Tommy Douglas movement for mental yeah. health care. Well, you're into you're into the, your your Saskatchewan phase, uh, your your prairies phase. This, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this show, <I> am. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's really interesting because if we could take care of someone's mental health, we may cut down on heart disease. And so and good. and uh, you know drug abuse and any anything like oh, yeah. like that. There are so many things that are correlated um, with mind and body that just really can't be separated. The incidences of back pain, um, which has become a chronic condition, um, also seem to be connected uh, to mind issues as much as body issues. So um, yeah. we are very much in this kind of medical model that ignores the important role that the the mind that mental health plays. And we do that to our detriment. We're just very far behind. When I was in Germany, uh, I guess two years ago, I met a young man um, who was leading us on this tour. And I said, well, you were a dancer. You know, why are you not dancing? Why are you working at the Goethe Institute? And he said, well, uh, I had some mental health issues. And so um, uh, I got full care here in Germany and uh, they paid for my therapy, my treatment, and I got um, a wage subsidy so that I could not work while I was pursuing uh, treatment. And he said, I'm doing much better now and I plan on on taking up my wow. career. And I just thought, why don't we have that? It's <laughs> fantastic. Now, we are doing a little bit better. I mean, before PTSD, uh, seasonal affective disorder, those that was all just hooey. You know, we, we well, always thought that, that that was. So, we, I mean, we are doing a little bit better. We are in terms of stigma, for sure, Kevin. But to your point, who can afford $200 a week for, for uh, a psychotherapist or a psychologist? Um, it, it becomes a real um, issue of the haves and the have-nots. And you know, many corporations are stepping up, which is quite lovely. Um, some places are offering $5,000 a year. Um, for mental health care with that idea that you need to see someone once every week or two weeks. But, but uh, very few people have those kind of benefits with their, from their provider. And why shouldn't it be part of our, our regular health care system? I mean, even the fact that you can't get that sort of treatment through our system stigmatizes uh, mental health care. Uh, it should be just something that everybody has access to. All right, uh, cmha.ca. That is uh, that is the place to go for for help, for information, for resources, whether or not uh, it's for you or for a loved one. Right. All right, Margaret Eaton. Thank you very much for this, and I wish you a very peaceful and happy holiday season. Thank you. I wish the same for you, Kevin. Keep it small. Keep it uh, keep it Saskatchewan style. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you're sitting on your couch and you smell something burning in your house somewhere. Do you just sit there and just say, it is what it is, nothing I can do? No, 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 no. I can guarantee you, you get up and you look and you search and you don't stop searching until you find the source of that burning odor and then you rectify it, you fix it, whatever it is. Same thing with your mental health. But the problem is a lot of us do end up sitting there and saying it is what it is and we let it burn. So this month, I'm hoping to give you some tips like the ones we just heard from, uh, from Margaret. I wanna give you some tips that helps you get off the couch and, and, and search on how to fix the problem. Now, one incredible way to help out is by giving of your time, giving money. And I looked around for an organization that I could team up with this year that would be just the prescription. And I found it, Holiday Helpers. Holiday Helpers has been around for 23 years. It was started by a high school student, Sarah Rutka, and her sister, who was a university student at the time, April. And they started this organization at first just to help one family that had lost everything in a fire, and they, they wanted to make sure they had something for Christmas. So they, they got them a tree and, and raised some money. And then it just snowballed from there. So today they help hundreds of families by providing them with a Christmas tree and all the trimmings, with money for a Christmas meal and more food, with necessary items and with presents for kids and they deliver them. They can be wrapped, unwrapped presents that they give to them as well. A great group. And I want us here in the Happy Molecule to help support this group. It's holidayhelpers.org slash donate if you want to donate. Here's Sarah. So we have a lot of families who um, families who have left domestic abuse, have, who fled, uh, and they're all they're trying to do is uh, make a better life for their kids, uh, start a new life, make it normal again for them. So they've left an abusive situation. We do have a lot of families that are new to Canada. So they've arrived in Canada in the last year during COVID. And um, so they're fleeing their home countries. A lot of times we hear stories of them fleeing prosecution or political um, uh, turmoil that's going on in their own country. And they've come to Canada in the middle of COVID and they're very isolated. They're not able to work. Um, they're living in very poor circumstances because of, uh, because mm -hmm. they're new here. They have, um, they don't, English is not a first language and, um, and they need a little bit of help. They're heading into their first winter in Canada and, uh, they need some support and they need a little bit of a hand up. And that's where we come in. Has there been a particular story that has just, I mean, brought you to tears or warmed your heart? Yeah, every year there's always stories. Um, and every year we try to connect with the families after Christmas to ask them how how it helped. Did it make a difference in their lives? Um, and we get letters back from the families and we, we usually have a, a meeting with the team and we're all crying. Um, there's a few stories we had, uh, last year we met with, um, a mother and a father, they had a baby and, uh, a kindergarten, kindergarten age child. And they, I think they came from 
they came from Africa, I forget the country, but um, they were very well educated in their home country. But of course, they came to Canada and they weren't able to find work. Mm. Um, so they were living in a very small basement apartment. Um, he had to work for minimum wage in a bakery. She stayed home with her children. And so at minimum wage, he was barely making money to buy um, just rent and food. Mm-hmm. And so they were, it was starting to get cold. Um, they knew a, a holiday helpers package was coming, but at the beginning of December, they hadn't received their package yet. And we had had a snowstorm. So mom was taking the baby and the child to school, uh, wrapped in blankets and sweatshirts, but it was really cold. And so um, they had gone to Walmart and picked out a jacket that they wanted, a snowsuit for the kids, but they couldn't afford it. Um, the dad was like, I, I can't, I don't have any money. We either buy groceries or we buy this snowsuit. So they, they chose to buy groceries. Well, three days later, we actually showed up with the package and it ended up being the exact snowsuit that they had picked out in at Walmart. So they were so happy. They were crying. They called us afterwards and just said, thank you. It was such a relief for them to be able to send their kids, their little kindergarten child out to school with a snowsuit that they, they just couldn't afford, they didn't have it. And so it's heartbreaking for us, uh, you know, living here in Canada, we're so lucky and we have so much uh, just to know that there's people out there that can't even afford a winter coat to stay warm for their little kids. And they didn't even care what they got. They just need wanted their kids to be able to go to school and, and be warm and, um, yeah, we, we actually had another story of a lady today. She's uh, She was actually helped by Holiday Helpers about 15 years ago. So it, she was a little girl and her mom um, had fled uh, her husband. It was an abusive relationship and it was just her and her mom and they were starting out. And anyway, she's come back now to volunteer. She's oh. now an adult. And she just talks about how much she, that Christmas was so special for them. They She got... Um, you know, a Barbie and a new snowsuit. And she was just, she just remembers that Christmas as being such a magical one. Her mom was so happy that Christmas. Um, I guess previously, you know, she had had yeah. some tough Christmases and she was just so happy. And and she would, now that she was an adult, she wanted to give back. And so she came back to Holiday Helpers and she's wraps in her warehouse a couple days yeah. uh, every month. So yeah, there's some really great stories of giving back. Holidayhelpers.org slash donate. Holidayhelpers.org slash donate. It's going to be a tough season, especially for those of us who have found Christmases in the past to be tough. But we're going to get through it together. We're going to take this journey together. I invite you to download and subscribe the podcast, especially in this month of December. We're going to tackle some heavier issues as well, but try and put positive spins on everything. Because above all, what we need more than anything when it comes to mental health issues, and that is hope. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.